All right, we're going to come back together here. Circle it on back up. Congratulations again. Finish your thoughts. Bring it on back. It's the best part of Navi. I could never ask answer that question. I could never narrow it down, but I made you all try. I can't. <laughs> Three? Okay. Um, you know, oh gosh. Okay, this is hard. Wow. I really got myself here. I don't know. I just, okay. Wow. No, I'm stressed. I'm, my palms are literally sweating. I never even get nervous. And now I'm like, I can't even think of any. I can't think of any. Um, okay, me. Shoot. Uh, who else? Um, Elton John just feels like that's just important. You know what I mean? Um, God, this is hard. This is hard. Who are some of yours? RuPaul's uh, got to be in there. Dolly, obviously. Wow, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh. Y'all went for the like, okay. <laughs> we're not here to entertain. Maybe we're here for the revolution. I love it. I love it. Wow. Okay, um, well, in that vein, we are in the book of Acts. Um, and we, <laughs> that did take a turn. Uh, we've been in the book of Acts, and I'm really excited for our conversation this morning um, about community, about what it looks like to, to be in this world and to try to carry this authentic message of Jesus and how that works and how we could uh, sort of embrace that in different ways. So we're in the book of Acts chapter 4. It goes like this. All the believers were in one heart. And mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions uh, were their own, but shared everything that they had. With great power, with great power, I almost just said comes great responsibility. Like, is this <laughs> Spider-Man? I don't know. Uh, with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Uh, that there were no needy persons among them from the time from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles feet and was distributed to anyone who had need Joseph a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas which means son of encouragement actually I think that is the end yeah before that that goes into a whole nother thing about joseph we'll get there um <clears throat> so this is the story the story of acts the entire story of acts is about the the group of people who heard jesus's message who uh saw jesus's works in the world who listened to what jesus was saying and then went and tried to live it out in a real way this is the whole story of what they're doing and in that process they ended up doing some wild things some very wild countercultural things like living in a group of people selling their houses if people have needs distributing it equally among everyone. Now we know people got houses, might be in Seattle, but you know, just saying. Um, no, but they lived in this way that was not typical of the way that everyone else in the world was living, which by the way is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus went around, Jesus' whole ministry was going around and saying, hey, the way that this is uh, happening, the way the culture is set up, the way that we're living isn't conducive to people's freedom. Maybe we don't have to stone this woman. Maybe we could treat poor people differently. Maybe there shouldn't be any poor people. This was his entire thing, right? And so now we're reading about and we're experiencing the first people that took that and try to say, how does that work for us as a group of people, as a community of people, to live in the words and the message uh, that Jesus laid out before us, Right? And it ends up looking just very different. 
No one else was going around doing these things. And they said, okay, because of this man that we follow, these are the things that we're going to do. Right? And I've been thinking a lot about how we get to the place where we are willing to put our time and our energy and our money and everything that we have towards a different way of life. What does it mean to fully commit to an ideology, to a theology, to someone that you follow? What does that mean and how do we get there? That's something I've been thinking about for my entire adult life. As a follower of Jesus, as someone who believes in the message, as someone who wants to be a part of a world where freedom is for everyone, uh, where everyone can be healed, where transformation is readily available, well, that's going to take something from me, and how do I get there? What would it look like, right? Because we all have these ideas, and we all love it, and when Jesus says, like, what if healing was for everyone? What if we helped everyone? What if we didn't stone people? What if we didn't judge people? All these things are all like, yeah, but what does it take to sort of, like, live into that, right, is what the people in Acts are trying to figure out, is what we're trying to figure out. One of the things I think about a lot, since it's June, and I think about this also not in June, but we are in Pride Month, <clears throat> is what a gift um, it is to be a queer person. I say all the time it's been the biggest gift of my life. Not the best, not the easiest, not the safest, not the cleanest, not the, you know, but the best. And the reason is not only because I get to live this life where I feel free and marry this beautiful woman and build this life, but it was an expanding of my mind beyond, beyond all of the things that I was told culturally were okay or looked like or felt like or were supposed to be like. So it was my, one of my first experiences of saying, I think something that I deeply feel and deeply believe and deeply want goes against what everyone else is doing or what I've been told people should do. And choosing that and realizing that these barriers that I thought were brick walls, these things that I thought were concrete, were actually not even real. These rules that I had been told about how to live and what makes a family and what family looks like and what things could be and, and all of these rules that I thought were real worlds, they, they weren't. And then I found out, oh my gosh, I could just <laughs> stand on the other side of this thing. And it was an incredible thing because I, I feel like my experience with my own sexuality and then meeting people who have just been like gender, guess what? A construct, and I'm going to live that out. It is the most eye-opening thing that's ever ex happened to me. It was an expansion of my mind that caused me to then look around and wonder what other barriers and borders that I think were real and weren't. So much of New Abbey is us looking around and saying, we thought church could only look one way. We were told certain things about church and Christianity and the Bible and God and Jesus. And what if that's just something people were told us we can live it out a different way? We have to commit to it. There's so much beauty in expanding our mind. I think about that all the time, that pride isn't about equality as much as it is about expansion. It's not about having all the things that someone else has. It's about expanding our mind to see a different world and a different picture and a bigger idea and a bigger God and more freedom and more healing and bigger unity and all of these things. And that's where the beauty comes in. And that's what Jesus' message is all about. It's saying, it's not about coming in and saying, how can we better fit into this Roman structure? How can we better fit into this thing? It's about expanding it to say, no, there's a much bigger story here. And we get to expand our heights and see it. And then these people in the book of Acts took that, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Just say, okay, we live in this culture, in this world. It might look crazy, but what if we just got together and made sure that no one had needs? What if when there were more people that had needs and we had money, we just, like, sold a house and then made sure we covered the need? 
What if we could just live in a way where we believe that healing is for everyone? And what if we go around and we offer that healing to people, anyone who needs it at any time? What if we devoted our whole lives to freedom and healing and transformation? And then they did. And then they just did. I think about it all the time, all the ways in my life and all the people and the pioneers and the people ahead of us who said, like, oh, what if we just lived like this? What if we just accepted people like this? What if we expanded the narrative of family? What if we expanded the bounds of gender? What if we expanded these things? And it's so beautiful. That's the experience that we get to be invited into. And one of the things that I think is probably our biggest factor, my biggest factor, in how we get from, okay, I'm, I'm within these bounds and I feel these contracts into, okay, I'm living towards the goal of freedom and I will be willing to do whatever it takes to get there, is how we understand the authorities in our life. We all have these external authorities in our life, and I think it's worth noting that all the people that we probably love and admire and follow had a conversation and at some point realized that certain authorities weren't necessarily authorities. Do you know what I mean? When I was in high school, I took this philosophy class. <laughs> Already funny. <laughs> Not the giggle. Yeah, it was just a little philosophy class. And... Um, our, I remember our teacher one day, he's talking, and I don't remember the philosopher. I don't remember a lot. Can you imagine me in high school? It was terrible. Um, but he was talking about this idea of authority and perceived authority, and he kind of said something to the effect of, like, no one's making you sit here and listen to me, but yet you're all sitting here listening to me. And then something clicked in my, like, 17-year-old brain. I was like, you're right. And so I just got up and left, and I walked... <laughs> So I remember thinking, like, yeah, actually. And I walked all the way home, and um, my mom was like, you know, what are you doing here? And I was like, listen, I just realized it's just perceived authority at that school. It's not real. And she was like, you better perceive your behind back to that school. But that's a real authority, actually, in my life. <clears throat> but it was this moment where, you know, I started to break down the reality of, like, oh my gosh, this isn't, you're right. There's nothing stopping, there's nothing stopping you from, like, we buy into certain things and we allow certain external authorities and voices because sometimes they make sense and sometimes they're helpful. Like, we've all decided we're going to drive on the right side of the road and then, you know, going the other way you're going to drive, that is helpful, right? That's an authority. But then we've all bought into certain ideas that aren't helpful, We've all had constructs and authorities in our lives that we've accepted, and sometimes they've been harmful to us. For a long time, I accepted the authority that I wasn't okay as I was. I accepted the authority that there was something wrong with me. That was a narrative and authority that I accepted. A lot of us have accepted authorities about the story of God or who we are or how bad we are or political authorities or government authorities. And every single person and every time I read the words of Jesus or I read through the book of Acts or I read people like Bayard Rustin and James Baldwin, they are the ones saying, you have the power. You have always had the power. You get to choose how you live. If you want to take a bunch of people, live in the woods, sell your houses, distribute it so there's no poor people, you actually have the power to do that. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is we, the people, have always had the power. We just choose whether or not we are going to listen to the external and the cultural authorities or whether we are going to make our own way. 
And the hard part is that making your way always, always, always costs you. It will always cost you something. Ask anyone in this room who has stepped out of any construct or boundary or barrier. Ask any queer person, ask any person who went a different political way than their family. Ask any person who grew out of the beliefs that they grew up in. Ask anyone who said, I am going to choose to live in a way that gives more freedom and more healing and more transformation. It costs you something. Ask any of those people you named, it costs them something. Every movement we've ever been a part of, anything we followed, any person worth following has paid a cost for going after what they believe. And that's beautiful. And that's scary. And it's just true. So as I've been thinking about Jesus, the church in Acts, Pride Month, my own life, New Abbey, those are the things I think about. We have all bought into this idea of the words and the reality of Jesus' life and message. That everyone is good, deserving of freedom, healing and transformation, wherever you are. That we don't have to stone people. That one, we already kind of did. But, you know, proverbially, on social media, maybe. This is me trying to be relevant. We don't have to stone people on social media. Um, but we've all bought into these ideas and we believe them, it's what stops us from going outside of the authorities that hinder us from living in the most radical way. Because it actually is possible. I went to a Christian um, college, fun, okay, UC Berkeley, jealous. Um, and so we had chapel three times a week, okay? You all who come here twice a month, we were three times a week in that thing, and um, one of the, like, a very famous kind of, like, chapel speaker, author of the time was a guy named Shane Claiborne. Has anyone ever heard of Shane Claiborne? Okay, so this was a, a guy who, like, you know, shows up to campus barefoot, um, hair doing what it's going to do, and said stuff like, we, he, he just, he was one of those people that was just like, we can do this. We need to actually live out what Jesus is doing. We need to, like, live this message. He's a really inspiring speaker. And a couple weeks ago, literally, me and my wife were like, what do you think Shane Claiborne's up to? You know, like, is he, did he go off, like, the Ica stating goodbye guy, took it back? Like, or is he still kind of doing this? You guys, he lives, like, on a, some land, and he takes guns and turns them into gardening tools, Literally, like, literally, you guys, he's just doing that. He just does that with a bunch of people. You can, like, donate your guns. People can drop off guns. He takes them, melts them down into gardening tools, and then they garden in this land, okay? What I'm saying is there's nothing stopping you from seeing a world and believing in something and then saying, I'm actually going to create my life around that thing. Nothing is stopping you except for these external authorities that you have said are concrete walls, and they're not. There's nothing stopping you. Will it cost you? Absolutely. Absolutely, baby. It will cost you, and it will be painful. But that is why we're all here. If we're not here to do that, if we're not willing to pay the cost to be the people that we want to be, to be the change we want to see in the world, that's Gandhi, not me, then what are we doing? What are we doing? These things, they're not real. The beauty of going to, I love pride. I love being queer. I love queer people. And the beauty of my mind expanding every time I'm in a queer space. I'm being like, I love that for you. 
I love that for you. I love that for you. I didn't think that could be real. I thought a certain way about this. And every time it just expands my mind and expands my mind more to see these are just all people together who at some point had to say, this authority that I thought was real wasn't real. And now I'm living a fuller version of myself. That expansion is the same thing that applies to these words and this life of following Jesus to say, the things that I think stop me, the ways it sounds crazy to do these things and to live in a house. Meanwhile, Shane Claiborne's out there melting guns into shovels. So whatever it is, the thing that you have in your life that you see and want to help and want to heal or want to do or want to be, like, I don't know if it's turning guns to shovels or, you know, what, where that little harness? I don't know, right? But all of it, all of it takes us saying, I need to take some time and see if these boundaries that I feel like are brick walls are actually something to move through. And the strength of moving through one of those will give you the strength to move through more of those until we get to the place where we're actually doing something really radical. What we actually will do if we actually take these words of Jesus seriously is very radical. It will look weird. It will look countercultural. It will look odd. And I bet it will be the best thing that ever happened to us. This is about expansion and expanding our minds to what's possible. What is possible? What's possible for this community? Could New Abbey be a place where we do something really crazy and revolutionary that looks really weird because we all just bought into the reality that, hey, I think everyone should be healed and I think all these things. And, yeah, we started a VBS and then that VBS and then we had kids and the kids started something and do something. I actually don't know. I don't have a clear idea there. But there could be something really radical that happens with our kids. Um, shout out to the kids. Right? Like Seth, who goes to New Abbey, who spoke a few months ago, like at 19, just found out about the water crisis, devoted his life to it. And now he is doing that. And they've brought water. He's mobilized over, like, what, 250,000 volunteers. And he's just, he just saw something and said, this is an abort. The water crisis, that is not a concrete wall. That's actually something I can move through. I can do something about that. The things in our community that we look around and we see are so wrong, I think there's actually something we could do about it, but we have to get past the fact that it's going to look weird, it's going to cost us, and we're going to have to cross some authorities that we think are concrete. They're not. It's not real. The rules aren't real. Listen, before I get too crazy, that is where I'm going. That's my hope for us, New Abbey. It's my hope for every single person in this room, that whether internally there's something in you that you want to live out that you feel like you can't because you've had this border around you that tells you you have to be something, or whether it's externally, that you see something going on in the world and you say, gosh, I wish I could do something about that, but it would just cost, it would be weird, it would be crazy. It's such a crazy idea. That's the kind of church I want to have where people live their crazy, authentic lives as themselves and then come up with some crazy ideas on how to fix this place. Because, yes, people are good and everyone is loved, but people out here wildin'. And there are some things. Y'all ever heard of Florida? Okay. We got issues. That's a beauty. That's what the church can be. The people, the first people who took the words of Jesus and says, what does this look like in practice? That's what they're doing. They're saying, how do we experience our own healing, and then how do we take that healing and put it out into the world? That's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for myself. That's what I want for this community. That's what I want for this church. That's what I want for this city. And I think it's possible. I think it's beautiful to think about that in Pride Month. I think this is a beautiful time to listen to people who have already done that. 
people who have taken that step and been like, oh, gosh, I was so scared I did that. Now what's next? Let's keep going. Think about how crazy all the people that we love sounded. I'm not even joking. Like Martin Luther King Jr. just being like, what if all the kids are playing on a playground? People did not like that. Now we're like, isn't that sweet? No, that was a crazy idea. Jesus saying, look, what if, what if the, the last were first and the first were last? What if actually poor I, They did not like that. I don't want to spoil it, but it did not end well. Um, he turned it around, though. But there's going to be a cost, but it is possible. Some of the people you're looking at in this church, in this room right now, their mere existence in this world, sitting here as they are, is a miracle. It's a gift. It's a gift that shows us that other miracles are possible. It doesn't stop with our internal progress. It has to go external. We have to do something. We got to get a little crazy. We got to do some wild stuff. We should have people looking at us sideways like, you do what? Yeah, that's what we should get into, right? Okay. Oh, I'm so bad at endings. That is what I think. Um, we are going <laughs> to, you're going to grab the same three or four people around you and you're going to answer this question. Where in your life do you need to question authority? Oh, we're getting wild. 